good enough to lift the third of our cleats. Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot, moron. Gab eater. Black snipper. Hot liquor. Fart smeller. <laughs> you eat dog crap for breakfast, geek. You mix your weed with your mama's phone jam. Yeah. yeah. You bop grapples in the toilet. And you like it. You play ball like a girl. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to that cozy little corner of cyberspace we call the Sunday Night Sandlot, brought to you by so-calledfantasyexperts.com. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, and I would like to welcome you aboard for what we hope will be an entertaining and informative 60 minutes of fantasy baseball news and analysis. The 2015 baseball season is one week old, and we have seen plenty of surprises, both pleasant and unpleasant in nature, here in the early going. Tonight, we're going to be talking about some of the players who have started the season on either a very hot streak or a very cold streak, and whether we think those early numbers are a fact or a fluke. Joining us for that segment a little bit later on will be Fabian Taylor, who is a writer at so-called Fantasy Experts. Fabian does a regular column called Fantasy Lookout, in which he takes a rather in-depth statistical look at player performance, so I'm sure he will have plenty of opinions to share with us here in just a few minutes. Before we do that, though, we are going to take a quick look at perhaps the most volatile position in fantasy baseball, and that, of course, is that of the closer. There has already been a great deal of activity involving Major League bullpens, and those fantasy owners who were fast enough on the waiver wire are reaping the benefits. We'll tell you what's going on in a few unsettled bullpens and talk a little bit about what to expect in the coming week. All of this in the name of helping you to dominate your fantasy league. If that sounds like a good time to you, pull up a chair and let's talk some baseball. It is time to introduce my counterpart here in the cyber studio. He is the co-founder of SoCalledFantasyExperts.com, a veteran of the fantasy sports industry, and has been playing fantasy baseball for over 20 years. He's currently in charge of aggregation efforts at the Fantasy Sports Network, and he is also a member of the inaugural Tout Wars X League. Please say hello to the Roto Daddy himself, Mr. Doug Anderson. Doug, how are you doing tonight? Awesome. It's nice to have some actual real games that mean something to talk about. So I'm looking forward to not talking about if spring stats mean anything, because the stats that we're talking about do mean something. So it's it's nice to get down to the the nitty-gritty Oh, absolutely. Uh, talking about real baseball, have you made it out to a Rays game yet? Uh, yeah, I did have the game number two where they got off to a little bit of a rough start and uh, made a little comeback. But I, I, I think the offense is going to be a little better than people thought. Yeah, there's been some disappointments there, but everybody was kind of thinking this team is every game they're going to have is going to be a three to two, you know, two to one, four to three kind of affair. But they have shown some signs of offense, so I, I think it's going to be an interesting year. I, I don't know that. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to say this is not going to be a competitive team, but I, I do like some of the things that uh, that I see there so far. What is there anybody on on the Rays that's either surprised you in a good way or a bad way? Well, I think Logan's Forsyth a little bit earlier. You know, yeah. last year I got the sense that he was pretty much just a bat to use against left-handed pitching, but at least a couple times I've I've seen him, he's really battled against the right-handers, and he might be a little more useful player, not so much for fantasy, but in real baseball, I think he's going to help the Rays a little more than I thought he would, more of a player. So, But other than that, it's just watching them, at, you know, young players as a team. 
if they can get Alex Cobb and Drew Smiley back, which you know we're going to talk about Drew Smiley in a bit, but I can't believe they're going to make him have three more rehab starts before they get him back <laughs> in the rotation. Yeah, and we've had two really good back-to-back pitching outings. We had Chris Archer on Saturday, and then today we had Nate Carnes. Both of them just threw excellent ball games, and as you say, Smiley is due back probably in uh, 10 days, two weeks, then Alex Cobb. And then don't forget, mid-season, we're going to have Matt Moore back in the picture. So if this team is in the conversation come July, August, uh, things could get very, very interesting. Talk a little bit about your Tout X team. Uh, how, how's it doing? Have you taken a look there yet or not? Well, yeah, I, I've been eyeing it. You know, the first few days, all my pitching has come through. The first few days had some good offense. Then we got to my man, Taiwan Walker, and he kind of blew the trend. So uh, it, it looks like I'm hitting it pretty good so far on the cheap pitching. I just need the offense to come through. I, I drafted a team with a what should be a very high on-base percentage, but you know how one week's worth of numbers go. And honestly, you know, one month we'll see, you know, if the best team wins, which, you know, with my ego, I think I've got the best team. So if I don't win, you know, it's just <laughs> it's just a small sample size. That's all. Yeah, and you're you're kind of mid-pack, but you know what? You're in the conversation. You're you're only a couple three points out of the top three, so things are looking good. And you may want to join me in this, but uh, Troy Tulowitzki is is healthy right now, so that's a good thing. And that was that was me knocking on some convenient wood here, just uh, because I have uh, Troy on a couple of teams as well. And you're always, whenever he misses a game, you always are very very leery of what's going on. You know, we don't have the breaking news this week that we did last week because we were uh, like minutes after the Craig Kimbrell deal had broken. But we did have some news today in Major League Baseball and a couple of home runs, milestone home runs happened today. Albert Pujols hit number 522. And that, of course, is one of those revered numbers. 521 is a, a revered number among home run hitters because you had Willie McCovey, Frank Thomas, Ted Williams, all three with 521, and Pujols hit number 522 today, passed all three of those, became number, I believe, 18 on the all-time list. And, Doug, a guy that I know you kind of like a lot, Jock Peterson, hit number one today, went a little bit left of center field, and he got number one, and I think that's going to be one of a whole bunch for the talented youngster from the Dodgers. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's going to hit his share of home runs. I'm actually not a big fan of his overall as far as what I think people are expecting, I, he's going to have some power. He's going to steal some bases. But that batting average, you know, let's face it, guys like George Springer, if he could be what George Springer is going to be, I think we'll be happy. I'm not sure he's quite ready for that. You know, talk about Pacific Coast League. I think he's going to have some use, but I think there are going to be some long dry spells during his rookie year. Well, sure, and you have to factor that in. And anytime you're talking about a rookie the book is going to get out on them. Hey, they can't hit a slider down and away, what have you. And they're going to see those until they adjust. Baseball, if nothing else, is a game of adjustments. And until the rookies make those adjustments, they're going to have to deal with uh, pitchers exploiting their swing holes. A couple of um, pitchers left their starts today, Doug. Felix Hernandez and Jordano Ventura. Felix with a tight quad and Ventura with a right calf cramp. What we're hearing right now, though, is that both are fine. Have you heard anything different? I, I have not heard that either of them is going to miss another start. No, I think everything is good as far as nothing is long-term. What, what is a little bit concerning for me is that this is the second straight game 
that Ventura has left with an injury. Right. Last week it was a a thumb cramp that knocked him out of the game. This week mm-hmm. it's a thigh cramp. I'm I'm thinking maybe we need to ship a, a crate of bananas to Jordano Ventura. I don't know. Did the bananas help with the cramps I hear? He is just an incredibly talented pitcher, and there's the yeah, other injury question. And, yeah, you would like to see him get through seven innings, eight innings, what have you, without having any issues because he does flash so much potential. But uh, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about first-week surprises. Do not have a big sample size yet, but there's been an awful lot of news made here in just the first week. And, Doug, I don't know that I've ever seen a first week of the season with so many moves in the bullpen. Have you? (laughs) You know, and – Usually we kind of have a feeling of when the moves are ha- going to happen, but this week things happened without the the pre-anointed closer really doing anything wrong. So it is. these Some of these moves kind of came out of the blue, so much shifting that you would think we would have known in the last week of spring training. Right, and some of them really did come out of nowhere. And we, folks, if you all follow bullpens, and of course most fantasy baseball players follow bullpens on at least a daily basis and sometimes an hourly basis because they are so volatile. And if you're quick to the waiver wire and you see a change coming, you can really score well in your fantasy league because sometimes you only have a matter of, of a few minutes or an hour to pick these folks up. At Over at So-Called Fantasy Experts, we cover the bullpens in a couple of different ways. We have a weekly column that I happen to write. It's called Bullpen Briefs. And it goes over what's happened the past week, any of the major news, the closer changes, uh, this this closer maybe struggled a little bit, but he's not in trouble, that kind of thing. And the other section that we do is a bullpen depth chart. And this is something that is updated throughout the week. And what we have is it's broken down American League, National League, and we have the closer, we have the setup man, and then we have typically the seventh inning man or the lefty specialist, what have you. So that's the bookmark that you want if you're literally going to be looking on a, on a daily basis. And if there is a waiver wire recommendation to be made, we will make it right there in that uh, in that um, that depth chart. So you will be able to hop to the waiver wire pretty much straight away. We also try to keep you informed if there is an impending change. And we use a little number system. It's three is stable, two is a little shaky, and one is an impending change. Now, Doug, we've got a couple of situations. First and foremost, before we talk about the the, the situations, uh, former Ray, who was just incredibly good when he was here, Fernando Rodney, uh, he's probably going to be a part of bullpen briefs next week because he managed to lose a four-run lead today. Did you see that? (laughs) Well, I didn't have to see it in person or on TV to know how it goes. We we saw what happens when you put him into a game when it's not a safe situation. So I, I have a feeling about how it went. You know, I imagine there were a couple walks thrown in. Tell me if I'm wrong. So here. Uh, and then what, what was <laughs> ironic about it is that in, in the bottom of the inning, the Mariners rally, and guess who the winning pitcher ends up being? Well, I'm going to guess it was Mr. Yeah, Fernando himself. Fernando Rodney. <laughs> yeah. So and he's, his job is not in any jeopardy, I don't think. He's been actually really good. for. He does have some adventuresome saves, but he's been really good over the past few years. So, But the, uh, the four-run lead, that, that just happened literally right before we went on the air. Uh, I Doug, think let's the talk best... about the knee. Go ahead. Sorry. 
No, I was just going to say, I think the best advice I can give someone with, with Fernando Rodney as our closer is just don't watch. <laughs> it's all going to go well. Yeah, just, don't watch. just don't watch. <laughs> just just look at the numbers. Don't don't watch. And, you know, he, he made three outs. And, you know, never mind that it was a warning track fly, a liner to the third baseman. And, and you know, then he probably walked a couple guys and another warning track fly. It doesn't matter. It's a zero. So just go with that. Read the box score and don't watch the video. So uh, talk about the New York Yankees now. This is a situation that everybody had pretty much accorded this job to Dellen Betances, but as we noted, he was having a bumpy spring, and, and Doug, what, what has happened there? Well, I think, you know, you can probably speak to it more than I can, but I think the Yankees want Betances to, to claim the job, but he's just not done it yet. And, you know, they're not big fans in New York of having a whole lot of patience. So, uh, I think Betances is get every chance to nail the job down. If he loses it, I think he'll have a chance to get it back. But you've got to see some good things from him. I think I think the situation in New York and the kind of surprise I'm sure we're going to talk about in Toronto are situations that I was hoping you could fill me in in a little more. Yeah, and in New York right now, what's going on is Betances. Last year, he was his command was impeccable. That was kind of new for him because his career in the minor leagues, his walk rate was almost five. So he has had some bouts of wildness, and that has shown back up again this year. Andrew Miller, meanwhile, has just been going along, just getting people out over and over and over again. So it's it's a real situation right now, and it is probably a true committee. I don't think that there is a, there is a, a favorite here. I think if you had more lefties, you would probably see Miller although Miller has pretty good splits against right-handed hitters last year. So at, at this point, that one's really too close to call. I think you're right. They wanted Urbatonsis. It was his job to lose, but he has not – I don't think he has really stepped up and, and seized the job. Let's, uh, let's move across town to Flushing and talk about the Mets, Doug. Uh, Henry Mejia, bit, tough week for Henry. Um, first he went on the DL. And then he was hit with an 80-game suspension for PEDs. So he will be out until July. Uh, Jaris Familia is now the guy to close for the Mets. What, uh, what, what do you think here? Did you, are you picking up Familia in any leagues? Because Bobby Parnell, is, who was their former closer, is due back probably by the end of this month. You know, I, I put in a few bids for Familia. It's just a situation that, I don't know that, you know, I'm looking to get a big impact. And, and a closer for the full season is that type of impact, you know. That's why a lot of people don't pay for closers in a draft, that you can grab them. But I'd like the situation to be a little more clear. I mean, obviously, I think Familia is the guy for now. But how long, if Parnell comes back, looks good, looks healthy, do they go back to him? And it's a situation that I don't think any of us can really know. To me, I... I think they'd rather go with a little more veteran and Bobby Parnell, but it all depends on his health. Right. And this is going to be something that people are going to watch as, as Parnell works his way back is how that, that bullpen hierarchy shakes out. And I think if Familia keeps getting people out, he's probably going to stay in that role. They, I don't think they'll put Parnell back in just for the sake of putting Bobby Parnell back in. Doug, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe in tout X. Did you draft Joe Nathan? Yes, I did. It was, uh, I think it was either my last or second to last pick, and yep. Joe Nathan was a dollar, and I said, you know, he, he's an old crafty veteran. He might be able to to succeed throwing, you know, 80 miles an hour. 
Yeah. Well, on the DL, he went this week. <laughs> and uh, Joaquin Soria is has assumed the closer's role and has done okay so far. He's had a couple of, couple of bumps in the road, but he's done all right. Meanwhile, uh, the Tigers have said that when Nathan comes back, he's going to move right back into the closer's role again. Uh, Doug, what do you think? You hang on to this guy if you got him, or is it time to cut him? Well, I think it just matters on the, the situation you're playing. And if you're in a mixed league, if you have the roster flexibility to hold on to him, I think you have to. He's shown before that he can go through rough spells and come back and pitch decently last year. May have not have been the case. I think you hold on to him if you have the roster flexibility. But if you're in a pinch, I don't think there's anything to hold on. You know, there's nothing stopping you if you don't have that flexibility. He's not going to come back and be dominating. He's not going to give you elite strikeouts from a closer. So it's just a matter of whether you have the room or not. Yeah, don't forget, Joe Nathan was one of those closers that everybody was looking at as being the first or second to lose his job, even without the injury showing up. So, yeah, I tend to agree. If if you get anything from Nathan, it's certainly not going to be what he showed us several years back. Folks, you're listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Vlog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder, the Roto Daddy himself, Doug Anderson. Currently, we are discussing some bullpen situations that have made news over the first week of the season. A little bit later on, we are going to be talking about some surprises, both good and bad, in the early going here of the 2015 season. Doug, the breaking news we had last week was the trade of Craig Kimbrell to it, uh, or from Atlanta to San Diego. Meanwhile, he's been Craig Kimbrell since he went over there. But meanwhile, Jason Grilly has looked pretty good when he's moved in there uh, in the, to close in Atlanta. What do you think? Are you pick, uh, picking him up? You know, I've, I put in a lot of bids for Grilly just because last year, yeah, he was shaky. The control wasn't there. His stuff wasn't quite the same. But you only have to go back to 2013 when he is one of the better relievers in baseball. If you look at 2012, 2013, so, you know, I'm not going to give him a complete buy in 2014, but by the same token, once a pitcher's done it, unless there's, you know, unless he's injured or you see a huge drop in velocity, something along those lines, I'm going to say that he still has that potential, and so far it's looked pretty good. Right, and right behind him in the bullpen, and he's already had to close one game just because they didn't want to overwork Grilly, who is 38, I believe, is Jim Johnson, who was pretty decent closer for Baltimore a couple of years back. So Atlanta's okay there. Neither Grilly or Johnson are the kind of guys that are going to just go out and, and, and put up crazy numbers, but they're both fine. They're familiar with the role. They're experienced in the role. So if you need some help and saves, these are guys that can definitely help you. And, and I think Johnson is probably worth a, a speculative ad in some of the deeper leagues right now. Over in Toronto, boy, what a situation this was. We talked a little, a couple shows ago, about Brett Cecil. He didn't get a lot of work this spring and came out, looked kind of shaky in his first outing. And next thing you know, the ninth inning is being handed to 20-year-old Miguel Castro, who has really good stuff. I saw him work the other night. He was throwing 96, 97 on his fastball. Very nice changeup. Uh, closer stuff. And from what I am seeing or hearing, he is reckoned to be someone that could take that job and hold it for a while. Today, he gave up a hit and a walk, but he got his second save. Now, Doug, we may differ on this one. Uh, To me, this almost feels like they're putting Castro in the role for right now 
but to let Cecil work his way back in because of that shortened spring. And, and he had a little bit of some, uh, some shoulder issues during spring. What do you think? Do you think this is Castro's job for the long term? Well, it, it's one, it's one of those situations I really wanted to ask you about because I'm getting, to me, I'm getting the sense that Cecil was so valuable the last couple of years, especially last year in that setup role and bringing him in at the most important situations in the game. I'm wondering is this a case where they have faith in Cecil? He did a great job in that setup role. They want to be able to use him like that, and maybe bring the younger pitcher with the the elite stuff in, and you know, at the start of innings and set him up for success. So, I, you know, what do you think? I, I I think Cecil maybe they like him as a setup man better. Yeah, this is one I'm watching really closely because the eighth inning guy or the when Cecil was closing, the eighth inning guy was Aaron Loop, who's also a left-hander. So it, it's a little bit of an odd bullpen there. And, of course, Aaron Sanchez was in the conversation in the spring until Marcus Stroman was hurt and he moved into the rotation. I, I think it's Castro's job for right now. I, I, I'll be curious to see if, if he scuffles a little bit and Cecil is going back to looking like his old self because he's been a very effective reliever over the past couple of seasons. So I'm not completely convinced that it's Castro's job for the long term, but for right now, he is absolutely the Toronto reliever to own. No question about it. I'll, I'll tell you uh, what, though, Buck. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I got the chance to watch that game today, and I thought with Aaron Sanchez moving to the rotation that the the Toronto bullpen would be a little shaky. I'll tell you what, between Loop and Asuna and Castro and Cecil, their bullpen is good. And uh, I don't think they have too much to worry about other than just – you know, dealing with the fact that two of them are very young pitchers. So, and but we do have right. Fabian in the screening room too, Buck. Just to let you know. Oh, do we? Um, I wonder if uh, wonder if Fabian would like to weigh in and help us finish up the uh, the, the closers situation. Uh, okay, let let's, me... let's go ahead and bring him on. All right, Fabian, you with us? Yes. Fabian, hey, how you doing? Good, thanks. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing awesome. Folks, we are very pleased to welcome a gentleman tonight who is currently a fantasy baseball writer for SoCalledFantasyExperts.com, and he is the author of a weekly column called Fantasy Lookout. He has been playing fantasy baseball for 15 years, and when he is not scouring the waiver wire or contemplating trade ideas, he trades stocks and commodities. To him, fantasy baseball is the perfect mix of betting, statistics, and analysis. Please welcome to the Cyber Studio, Mr. Fabian Taylor. Fabian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, we're, we're talking a little bit about uh, the closer situations right now. Uh, do you, do you want to weigh in as we're going along here? No, no pressure. If you want to throw in an opinion, uh, go right ahead. How's that sound? Sure, that's great, yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, we had made it to San. We were talking San Diego, and Doug. Uh, of course, if you had Joaquin Benoit, a solid closer, kind of getting up there in years, but it's time to drop him, is it not? Well, here's where I got to differ with you a little bit, Buck. I think it really depends on how deep your league is. Even in 12-team mixed leagues, I think there's still a place for a reliever like Benoit, who's going to have a WHIP at one or below for the last five or six years, he's been right there. So as someone who likes to take some chances on some young pitching, I like to have a, a middle reliever like that, 
Um, I'm actually using Neil Ramirez from the Cubs in the same situation. So I think if you can use them, if you have a couple reserve slots and you take those young pitchers and put them through the proving grounds before using your, your regular roster. So I like to have a pitcher like Benoit, not more than one. So if you already have a middle reliever, you, you don't right. want to waste a roster spot with that, though. Yeah, Fabian, is that a strategy that you advocate or that you follow is to have a, a middle reliever, whether it's Joaquin Benoit or Wade Davis or whomever? Yeah, you know, I think it makes sense. I think it all depends on sort of the league structure, you know, with your innings limits. You know, like a lot of the leagues now become almost like a, a K per nine league instead of just an outright K league. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it depends on your structure. If you have the roster space, um, and, you know, it depends on your categories, too. Obviously, you know, if holds count, that changes things a little bit. Um, but if, you know, if you're in a strictly sort of win, saves, and, and strikeout league, and you have, you know, sort of a, an infinite inning limit or, or no limit at all, that's going to be a different scenario where you, where you maybe don't hold guys like that. But, uh, you know, the middle relievers, especially, you know, Wade Davis last year, you know, he was a huge help to your ratio stats and and even your, your strikeout total. So, um, you know, league structure is going to determine that answer, I would say. All right, great. Now, okay, guys, that was a yes-no question. All right, we've now come to the multiple-choice uh, <laughs> portion of the, the quiz. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers, Kenley Jansen, great closer, out till they're talking mid-May before he's back. Uh, you got a cast of characters there right now. Uh, Chris Hatcher, Joel Peralta, Yimmy Garcia, J.P. Howe, Paco Rodriguez, just a, a whole cast of folks there, and uh, I'll be honest, it's tough to know what to make of this bullpen. I'm leaning toward Joel Peralta just because he does have experience in the in not so much in the closers role, but in the eighth inning role. Uh, J.P. Howe closed for the Rays a little bit, but he far does not any, have anything close to closer stuff. So Peralta to me is almost the the choice here by default but I really think you could see any one of, of a couple, three guys, depending on situation. Doug, what do you think? Is, is that is that a pretty solid uh, view? I, I just think the over-reliance on testing that you're you're adhering to is just too much because I don't want to answer. <laughs> I tend to agree with you, but I think Paco Rodriguez, you know, he's got some yeah. nasty stuff from a lefty. He might get a save here and there, but it's a situation I don't even want to deal with. You know, talk to me when Jansen's back, and I'll have a good answer for you. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Fabian, what do you what do you think on the Dodgers situation? It's it's a bit of a muddled mess. Is there anything that we can pull out of there and say that this person is the favorite? You know, I I would tend to agree with Peralta. Just you know, for sort of the main reason is it seems like when the season started, you know, it was pretty clear it was going to be a committee. Um, I think Hatcher got the first opportunity. Um, you know, things didn't go great, and then Peralta got a save. I think. It, few games ago and then I think he was used in a sort of a, uh, a closer situation the following day and then I think he got another save today so it seems like you know I think managers like to say committees but I think ultimately they like to have defined roles and they like to have a guy and given sort of the usage over say the, you know the early part of the year it seems to be that Peralta is, is definitely leading the charge in that in that situation so I, I would probably stick with him for now but like you said it's probably you know, we're talking 25 games between before maybe Jansen comes back. So it's not, um, you know, even if the Dodgers kind of roll off, you know, a pretty solid record over the next little bit. You know, we're talking maybe five to ten saves at the most kind of thing in that scenario. I would say. Right. 
And and Doug, we remember this when Peralta was the eighth inning guy for Tampa Bay. He is a fly ball pitcher. And that tendency plays very well in Chavez Ravine because if you can have him hit the ball up in the air there, there's an awful lot of space for it to land in somebody's glove. And the ballpark, the way it's built kind of down in the ground, it, it is not very conducive to fly balls carrying out. So he's probably a good fit there too. Some DL news. Koji Uihara from the Red Sox. Uh, Mojica has been their guy for a temporary basis. Activated from the DL on Monday. He had a hamstring issue. He's, what is he, 40 years old now. I, I don't know, Doug. I've, I've got Koji on a couple of teams, but I'm still very leery of an injury situation here. I, I'll, I'll activate him once he comes back, but uh, is it wrong to still be worried? Well, I think it's not just the hamstring issue you need to worry about. It. Last year, the second half of the season, there were it seemed like there was always a little something bothering him throughout the years. I know a few years back when he was a very good, you know, setup guy, great ratios, but the Orioles were a little hesitant to use him on back-to-back days. So, so there's always been that concern. But his his ratio and his he, he's been such a good pitcher over the last few years. You don't have an option to bit to stick with him, but can you worry? Yeah, he's at that age, and his history says that there there might be a few more periods where you might be without him this year. Yeah, Fabian, any thoughts on Koji? Yeah, I wouldn't add too much else other than you know Red Sox seem to be like they're going to be a good team, should win a few games this year. So um, you know the closer role on that team is going to be valuable for sure. Um, yeah, he, he seemed to fade. Um, you know, like like Doug was saying, at the end of last year. So, you know, there's warning signs. You know, age catches up to everyone, but um, he, he, he seems to be the guy for now, so I think you just roll with him until, until that injury, you know, does come, if it does. All right. Folks, you're listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder Doug Anderson and so-called fantasy experts writer Fabian Taylor, who is the author of the Fantasy Lookout weekly column Next, we are going to be discussing some players that have either exceeded or failed to meet their preseason expectations and how those slow starts, one, can impact your fantasy team, and two, should you buy in? Because this was something that we didn't expect at the beginning of the season, but now you know, here we are. Fabian Taylor is with us, and as I was alluding to a little bit earlier, Fabian writes a column called Fantasy Lookout that is a very in-depth statistical analysis. And Fabian, when I read your uh, profile on so-called fantasy experts, I, I, of course, noticed right away the the stock commodity trading correlation between fantasy baseball and stock commodity trading. Is there one or two, anything alike, or are they just two completely divergent pursuits? No, I, I think there's, you know, there's definitely similarities. Um, you know, I think you can think of building a team, um, a fantasy baseball team, as sort of a portfolio of assets. And you know, you know, any sort of money manager is going to tell you, you know, diversification is the key. And so I think you need to think about, you know, in, in a roto league, you know, the statistical categories that that you know define sort of um, the points in your in your league and. Um, you know, you, you can't have all home run hitters. You can't have, have all high average hitters. You can't have, you know, just speed guys and kind of go from there and, and expect to win. Um, so, you know, I think from that perspective, you know, there's the, there's the diversification aspect. Um, you know, I think the other key is sort of finding value. So, you know, with stocks uh, more so than commodities, you know, you know sentiment and, 
and sort of emotion, you know, drive prices in the short term. Not as much in the long term, but, you know, momentum factors, you know, they, they're, they're at play in fantasy baseball too, you know, you know, whether it's an overhyped prospect or whether it's, you know, um, a hitter on a hot streak or even a pitcher on a hot streak. Um, so, you, you know, you kind of want to be selling when everyone else is buying and, and, and you know, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I think from those aspects, um, you know, there, 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 are, there are similarities for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I would say the one – sorry, go ahead. No, go, go right ahead, Trish. Yeah, I was going to say the one last point would be, you know, looking through sort of short-term random, you know, events and kind of looking at the bigger picture and seeing sort of the overall trend. Um, you know, a coin flips, you know, a 50-50 shot, heads or tails, but doesn't mean it can't land on heads five times in a row. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it should land on heads the next time, you know. So I think looking through sort of the the statistical nature of, of certain statistics, certain players, um, you know, you do the similar things in terms of stock price movements and, and, and sort of the analysis of, of, of companies. So there are there are definitely some similarities. Yeah, and when I saw that, the first thing I thought of was a book that was written by Jonah Carey back a few years ago, and it was called The Extra 2%, and it was about the Tampa Bay Rays, and the subtitle was How Wall Street Strategies Helped the Team Go from Worst to First. And, and it made some of those correlations between financial strategies and, fantasy and, uh, and, and baseball. So quite, a, quite an interesting read. Now, uh, Fabian, talk a little bit about the Fantasy Lookout column. What, what would you say that this offers to, to the fantasy owners? Why, why should, if I'm a fantasy baseball owner, why should I stop and, and read the Fantasy Lookout column? Okay, so I, th- I think the first thing is the intent of the column is, is to help you know, managers or owners, fantasy owners, manage their team. So, um, you know, I try to dive into or drill into, you know, certain statistics. You know, I try to kind of separate luck versus skill with the main goal trying to be, you know, sustainability. So, you know, player X is, you know, has hit a, a bunch of homers in a two-week period. You know, is that sort of, you know, a new approach? Is that, um, you know, do, do statistics sort of lead this to as, as, as being an anomaly or, or is this sort of a sustainable trend? Um, you know, it, it's you know the intent is to be a complement to sort of the more I guess common weekly weekly columns you know on waivers or injuries or closers you know specific. So um, yeah, you know it's basically just a way to to complement those other articles and maybe kind of have drill down a little bit deeper than sort of the headline or more of the qualitative type articles. So um, you know I, I think it fits as a complement. And then sort of the last sort of thing I'll try to add on a, on a weekly basis, sort of a deep dive into sort of a, a newsy or headline type topic. Um, I think I looked at wins the first week. Um, you know, last week I looked at, you know, different statistical categories in a typical Yahoo league, you know, what what sort of ranking within each of the statistical categories is sort of required to, to field a competitive or even top three team. Um, you know, those types of things, you know, try to, try to do on a weekly basis also. So, yeah, it, it's basically just, just a way to to help manage your team and, and complement the other sort of main articles that, that come out on a weekly basis. Yeah, and sometimes it's uh, noticing what uh, maybe somebody else uh, has escaped their notice that makes a difference in, in seeing what the next, next big thing is going to be in the next trend. Doug, speaking of trends, we have had some, some very hot, very cold starts to the season. Now, some of these are veterans, and we're, we're talking it, it, just talk in general because Jonathan Lucroy – one for 20, he started off. Clayton Kershaw has had a couple of outings that were, yeah, 
pretty bad. What do you think? These are established veterans. Do we really read anything into this? You know, as far as future performance, no. We can't. Even with with rookies at just expected performance, no. We can't read a thing into one week's worth of stats. The advantage the veterans have is that they don't have someone deciding whether they need to be shipped back to the minor leagues or not. So you're right, with LaCroix, with Kershaw, with these veterans who start out, Mike Napoli, has he got a hit yet? You know, we don't have to worry about these guys. They're going to get a long leash. The one-week stats for a rookie player might not mean anything either, except their organization has to decide if they need to get sent down. So that's where we have to worry, I think. It doesn't mean that player can bounce back, but we have to worry about how long of a leash they have with that organization. Right. And, and Fabian, let me just follow up real quick and let you get your take on that. Is there a point? Okay, we don't worry about veteran performance right now. We're not worried about Clayton Kershaw's 580 for earned run average. At what point do you start to worry, do you suppose? I think with, you know, more so the veterans, you know, you have – a great sort of stable of historical norms or historical averages. So you can sort of see, you know, if the player's doing things differently, you know, looking at, you know, sort of judging their batting eye, you know, their, their strikeout versus walk ratio, you know, for pitchers or, or, or hitters. Um, you know, I think that's sort of a great way to look at it. Um, you know, even for pitchers, you know, when sort of pitchers are having issues and, you know, using Clayton Kershaw as an example, I think, you know, the first thing you, I, I tend to look at is just their velocity. You know, how, how is, how has there been, like, are they hiding an injury? You know, is that sort of leading to something? Um, you know, with, with Kershaw, it doesn't seem to be the case. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think, yeah, the sample size is just too small right now, but I think you try to look at the underlying statistics and get away from the headline numbers because the underlying statistics, you know, will help support and sort of see if, you know, is it a new trend or not. But you probably need to wait, you know, at least a month or so um, for, for the sort of the veteran-type hitters. And, and the younger hitters, you know, it's it's a little bit tougher because it's a big step from the minors into the majors. So, you know, their their historical norms are, are you know, not as transferable and comparable as, as sort of a, a guy that has, you know, five, ten years' experience. Okay, I'll let you have the first shot at one of our hot starters this year, and that's Joey Votto of the Cincinnati Reds. Big power guy in years past, first-round pick in years past. This year, pretty much a forgotten man in the drafts. He's off to a big start. Is this for real? Yeah, you know, I, I think so. You know, it's um, you know, it, it, the big caveat with him is health. So, you know, assuming he's healthy, um, and, and assuming sort of the Reds as a team are healthy, you know, Jay Bruce kind of being a big part of that. Um, you know, he you, you could pencil him in for you know a 300 average, 400 on base, you know, 25 homers, you know, 100 RBIs and runs, and and um, you know he's hitting second in the lineup, so he's going to get those extra at bats this year. So, you know, as of now, you know, he's off to a hot start, and um, you know. Assuming he's healthy, you know, I, I think he approaches sort of those those career type, career norm type numbers. Doug, what do you think? You buying Joey Votto? Well, I think you have to. You know, you just have to ask yourself. So he's healthy right now. He's got the strong base. He's hitting for power. That tells you that the knee's good right now. Nobody knows whether that knee's going to hold up. Joey Votto might not even know. But all we can go on is what we know right now, and it certainly appears that he's healthy. So I think if you have him, you hold on to him. If you're talking about paying for elite Joey Votto value in a trade, do I want to go do that? I don't know. I don't know if I'm that that confident in his health yet. But if you own him, you stick with him. 
All right. Well, I will will stick with the theme because another slugger that uh, fell in some fantasy drafts to the mid-end of the first round was Miguel Cabrera because of some concerns about his health. Well, uh, fast forward, I think he hit uh, two home runs today, so he is absolutely killing the ball right now. Looks like the Miguel Cabrera of old. Doug, any lingering health concerns for you? Well, I don't think you can. You see what he's done. You know, the the only concern was that he was going to have some issues early in the season, and I think we already know that's not the case. So he's not going to steal your bases. You know, they might rest him a little bit more. But, what, he's had four hits in each of the last two days. So I think yeah. a lot of it was overblown because he's starting to get to the age and he might not be the best conditioned athlete we've ever seen. But I'm sorry, that guy can hit. You know, even if he had the bum knee, he was gonna, last year was a terrible year for him, and he was still a very good player. Yeah. Fabian, are you worried at all about Cabrera? No, you know, I, I, I sort of echo all of all of Doug's comments, and the, the, the two points I'll add is, so I agree, you know, last year, you know, was a disappointment, yet those numbers were great, quite solid. But despite all that, he had a career-high line drive rate at, you know, close to 25%. And his home run to fly ball ratio was sort of 14% against a career norm of 19%. So um, assuming health, you know, last year's numbers look sustainable and to the extent the power numbers probably come back even a little bit more. So, yeah, no, it seems like, you know, the, the early sort of late February, early March discount that he was going as a top 10 player and then sort of just as spring ended, it looked like he was going more as a top five player. You know, that move seems justified to me as of now. All right, and uh, let's stay. Let's go to the pitchers column here real quick. Talk about Jeff Samarja. Had a breakout season last year. Pretty much an awful spring. Bad numbers so far, but Fabian, I think this is going to be a case where if we look a little deeper, those numbers might not be as bad as they appear, right? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, the last even few years, you know, his sort of strikeout-to-walk ratio has been, you know, pretty solid in sort of that 3-5 to five range. Um you know, even his last start, you know, it was it was pretty good. You know, he threw seven innings, allowed eight hits, no walks. Um, he had one bad inning that he let in all his runs. And so, um, you know, maybe it's new team jitters. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, it, it seems like it would be a buying opportunity on him. It's uh, The move to the L might, you know, hurt a little bit. But, um, yeah, it, it seems like, you know, it, it's, it's a buy-low opportunity on him to me. Doug, what do you think about Samarja? Well, he'll obviously bounce back somewhat you know he's not going to be as bad as he has been so far but I do think I'm not looking for a repeat last year at all I think you know people talk about Wrigley Field like it's an offensive ballpark and there are days that it is but there are days where it's as big a pitcher's friend as can be when that wind's hauling in from left field so Wrigley Field is not always a an offensive park then he moved to Oakland so on the other hand the uh the cell as they call it is pretty much a hitter's park every day. So I, I think there's going to be some rough starts. He'll get his strikeouts. He's got that splitter that he really has. You know, He brought that out, what, three years ago, and that actually made him a solid starting pitcher. So he'll be solid, but I don't think it's going to be quite what we saw last year. All right, well, I think we're going to all agree on this next hot start. Todd Frazier, Cincinnati Reds third baseman, 316, Three homers, six RBIs through five games. Uh, wasn't too great today. Uh, had a big year last year. Doug, was it real? I think for the most part, yeah. I think we're going to see good power. Uh, you know, I think the question we still have is, will he steal bases again? Will he run? 
you know, last year in spring training, he he openly made it known that he wanted to steal more bases. I don't know if we heard that this spring, so I think that's our only question. He's going to hit 260 to 270. He's going to have 25 to 30 home runs. The question is, does he get 15 to 20 stolen bases? And I don't know if we know that yet. Yeah, I have two questions. Well, the, tw- the 20 stolen bases to me is not a question. I'd be stunned to see another 20 stolen bases. My biggest question was what he hit last year, 273, 275. Fabian, I'm kind of curious, is he going to do that again, or are we going to see more like 250, 255? Yeah, you know, that's that's um, that's a tough one. You know, I think, you know his, his, I think the expectation would be closer to that 250, 255 type number. Um, you know, his, his line drive rate last year was, you know, pretty much right at his career norm. Maybe, you know, maybe it, it, it was materially higher than his 2013 number. Um, his batting average on balls and play number was, you know, slightly above average. So, you know, just looking at the numbers, it, it seems to be, you know, his last year would be sort of the high end of the range. So, you know, I would say, yeah, that range is sort of, yeah, 250 to 270 type, type number and, and, you know, the risk of being lower than last year. All right. Now, a player who was a very popular breakout pick this year is George Springer of the Houston Astros. Well, he has been uh, pretty much terrible. I was batting 190, had struck out nine times in 21 at bats, swinging and missing at a furious rate. Fabian, is George Springer still a viable breakout? Is he just going through a bad spell, or have we maybe seen that this guy's not going to make enough contact to make a difference? Well, I guess there's a couple things. So, you know, the strikeouts have been a concern, are a concern, and probably always will be a concern. Um, so to the extent he can limit them to some extent, you know, as he gets more familiar with major league pitching, you know, you know the goal is for that to improve. Um, they, have him, they have him hitting second in the lineup, which, you know, probably doesn't make the most sense. You probably want sort of a higher on-base guy. And, you know, I think for all the power and speed accolades that, you know, he gets and deserves, you know, contact and on base might not be sort of his forte. So, you know, maybe moving him down in the lineup a little bit, um, you know, will allow him to sort of you know, have more kind of run producing opportunities rather than run scoring opportunities. But yeah, you know, the strikeouts are, are a thing to watch, but, um, you know, he's as legit as sort of 25, 30, 30, 30 type player there is in the game. So, you know, the upside, you know, is, is, is quite attractive. Doug, you still a Springer fan? Yeah, you have to be. I, 17 at bats. If you know what you bought in Springer, you know you're buying a, you know, maybe 250 is his absolute ceiling as far as his batting average goes. But I'm he stole his second base today. You know, last year he wasn't running. He's running a little more, batting second. I don't know if I like it or not overall, but he's going to run. You know, he's shown us already. I think with the two stolen base attempts, so I'm not worried at all at all about 17 at bats. He's going to strike out a ton. He's going to hit a ton of home runs, and hopefully he's going to steal 20-plus bases for us. Now, folks, you are listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder Doug Anderson and so-called fantasy experts writer Fabian Taylor, who is the author of the Fantasy Lookout weekly column. We are discussing some players that have either exceeded or failed to meet their preseason expectations and how 
those stats can impact your fantasy team. Uh, maybe th- there could be some buy opportunities in here, as uh, Fabian was mentioning a little bit earlier, possibility that some of these slow starts, maybe if, if you're kind of oh, okay about a veteran player, maybe somebody else in your league is panicking a little bit and want to unload this Lucroy guy because those last three seasons were just a fluke. Who the heck knows? So, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't hurt. Somebody gets off to a slow start. Go ahead and throw a trade offer out there. Doug, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here because this is a player that I actually wrote as a bust this year. And, by the way, I am still sticking with that. I'll tell you that right up front. Billy Hamilton, Cincinnati Reds, one of the fastest players I've ever seen, one of the most exciting players I've ever seen. Not sure he can hit major league pitching. Has stolen seven bases so far. Really good OBP, but only batting about 250. What do you think of Hamilton? Well, where you're not sure, I'm sure. I'm sure he can't hit major league pitching. I don't know <laughs> what that means for fantasy, though. I don't think you're ever going to see him hit over 240, 250. You know, and and that's with the incredible speed he has. So he can't hit what you know you you list on our show sheet. 364 on base percentage. Can he keep right. doing that? And I think that's the question because if he can keep doing that, then even if he hits 220, he's going to have huge fantasy value, and you know. While we like to diversify, as Fabian was talking about, if you're talking rotisserie, it doesn't matter if you get all your stolen bases from one position or spread out. I like to spread them out, but if Hamilton can keep that on-base percentage up, you know he's going to give his value even though it, it's not the type of player I like. So do I believe in him? Give me another three weeks to a month to see if he can keep that on-base <laughs> percentage up. Fabian, what do you think about Billy Hamilton? Yeah, you know, I would sort of echo from the majority of the comments. You know, two things that point out to me. Um, you know, he was caught stealing 23 times last year. You know, and he ended up stealing 56 bases. But, you know, he's 7 for 7 this year. So, you know, that that's going to help. You know, that, you know, maybe even allow him to run even more to the extent that, you know, he's not getting caught so much. Um, and, you know, looking at the numbers last year, you know, his line drive percentage was 21%, which is, you know, quite solid. And with his speed and even with that line drive rate, you know, his batting average of balls in play was just over 300, which, you know, is, is, is a league average type number. So, you know, when a player has the speed he has and is hitting the line drive to that extent, um, you know, maybe there's upside on, on, in, in terms of his average and then therefore his on-base percentage. But in terms of the walks this year, you know, it's not – consistent with what he's done in the past in his short major league career and even to the extent in, in his with his triple a numbers so um yeah it, it's uh it seems like the, the walks probably isn't a trend but you know maybe to the extent he can he can support his average a little bit but um yeah you know you, you draft him for steals and he's going to get you steals this year yeah he was actually a pretty good obp guy back in the low minors but as you said right since double AA, a triple a it just hasn't happened and i wonder if the pitchers just said okay we're just going to challenge him and it, it make him make him beat us with the bat, and I, I don't know that he's been able to rise to that challenge yet. Fabian, I'm going to warn you. This is, might be a little bit painful for Doug uh, because he owns him in the Tout Wars uh, X League. But yeah, I know cries of pain from the Cyber Studio. Uh, talk about Taiwan Walker. I like this young man a lot with his spring. Just an incredible spring, and then he went out and pretty much got shelled in his first start. Is it is it time to? to uh, sell on Taiwan Walker, or do we still have a budding fantasy ace here? Yeah, I think it's, you know, he's got the pedigree. He, he has sort of, um, you know, he's been a top prospect for a while. Um, I, 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 I hesitate to answer that question completely because I think you need to see a little bit more 
at him in, in a regular season at the major league level. Um, you know, so, so I don't think it's time to give up yet. But, um, you know, he's had control issues in the past, um, you know, even in the minors. Uh, he, even last year's sort of um, headline numbers, you know, they look pretty good, but, you know, small sample size, obviously. But, you know, his line drive rate against was 27%. His strikeout-to-walk ratio was sub-2. You know, those aren't great numbers. So, you know, on the surface, the numbers look, probably looked a little bit better. But he's got the talent. He's young. He had a great spring, so, you know, I, I think you need to see a few more starts before you, you, you cut him. But, you know, I, I think he's worth, you know, at least, you know, a handful more starts before you make that decision. Doug, can you collect yourself long enough to give us a little <laughs> your take on Taiwan Walker? Well, I painfully watched every pitch of that start. And I have to say that I think he let the excitement of, you know, the – the first start of the year, kind of what was going to be his coming out party in some ways, I think he got excited and started overthrowing. He he wasn't just miss he he didn't miss strike zone so much. He was missing locations big time, and he wasn't putting the ball where he wanted to. You know, I'm still with him. There's no doubt in my mind that at some point he is going to be a very good fantasy pitcher. But I think he's got to just trust what he did this spring, come out and relax. And when he does that, I think we'll see some good numbers. Does it happen right away? I I think he's going to even it out over the next few starts. So I still have a lot of confidence in him. But he you know he needs to at least put the ball in the general vicinity of where he's throwing it. The, the catcher would set up you know up and in, and the ball would be low and away. So he was missing everything the other day. I'm going to chalk it up to the first start of the year. If he does it a couple more times, then I think it's start to, time to start looking at that reserve list or the putting him on your bench. Yep. Another very highly touted prospect had a really good year, but of course has had no end of injury problems. Manny Machado, Doug from uh, Baltimore started off over 15. He's now batting 053. Are we worried about this young man yet or is he still a star in the making? Well, if you remember last year, you know, coming back from a different knee injury, uh started out terrible, the same thing. The first few months of the season didn't have the power, wasn't really hitting for average. So I'm not worried about that at all. You know, I I think the only time we need to start worrying is if we hear whispers that his knee is not at full strength. So if we hear that that knee is, is not strong, then worry. But otherwise, he'll come around. He's a very good hitter, and at some point he's going to be a, a you know, I think he's going to eventually be a 30-home run type hitter. But he needs to get on the field to do that. All right. Fabian, you believer in Manny Machado? Yeah, I do. You know, he, he you know, he had same thing. He had the pedigree. You know, he, he had the, the strong minor league numbers. You know, his, he, you know, he was a doubles machine, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, I agree. Yeah, you know, those doubles probably turned to homers as he kind of fills, his, fills into his body. Um, you know, this year, you know, his batting average of balls and plays is .063. So, you know, he's not, um, he's not, he's not finding any holes out there. So, yeah, you know, I think it, it's early. He's recovering from injuries and he's got to trust his body. So, um yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, things will be fine. Guys, we're coming up on 25 minutes after the hour, so we would have only about five minutes left in a 60-minute show, but uh, we're kind of on a roll here. What do you think? You want to stick around and, and finish up our, our newsworthy players? What do you think, Fabian? Sure, that would be great. Doug, Doug you, you good to stick around? Oh, yeah, we can do that. Fantastic. All right, uh, Fabian, going to go back to you and talk about one of my favorite players. I love watching this guy hit, Adrian Gonzalez. He went uh, two for four today, and his average actually went down <laughs> because <laughs> he, he, is just, he is just off to the start of starts. He's still hitting over 600. 
big key for me with Adrian Gonzalez is five home runs in his first six games. This is a guy who's always been a good hitter, but the power had kind of disappeared a little bit. Hadn't hit more than 27 home runs since 2010. What do you think about this power surge? Is is it back? Are we going to see 30-plus home runs from Gonzalez again? Yeah, you know, I would say unlikely. You know, he's off to a great start for sure. Uh, you know, small sample size again, but, you know, his career average of, you know, home runs per fly ball sort of in that 15% range. It's 83% so far this year. So, you know, no one thinks he's going to keep up the pace he's on. But, you know, he has a long enough history that no, those numbers, you know, they're going to go to that career average, you know, most likely. So, um, you know, maybe he, maybe he gets to around 30. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it seems like a hot streak on a very good player, but it just seems like sort of an unsustainable hot streak right now. What do you think, Doug? Unsustainable hot streak, or are we 30-plus home runs from Gonzalez again? He might get the 30 just because he's already got those five. But, yeah, he's the player he has been, you know, give or take five home runs either direction. Uh, that's the thing, great thing about him is he, he is so consistent that, each of the last three years, I think he's probably fell too far in drafts because, it, you know, oh, the power is down. It's still good, you know, and he's showing no signs of weakness. So he is what he is, and I like what he is. Well, you know, here's somebody that was a rather elite power hitter before an injury and kind of dropped off the radar screen, signed a deal with Kansas City, and I'm talking about Kendris Morales. Only hit eight home runs at 218 last year but off to a really, really nice start. Doug, what do you think? Fact or fluke? Is this another 2025 home run season coming from Kendris? I think so. I mean, if you look at last year, he didn't really have a spring training to go off of. And we can talk about how spring training numbers don't mean anything, but uh, the number of at-bats to that player probably means a whole lot just going through that whole process. So I think we'll see a decent year. You know, at, at one point, I thought Kendra, before all the injuries, I thought Kendris Morales was going to be a 30 home run annual guy. It never quite turned into that. Now he's just the quiet guy who's going to hit you, you know, 20 home runs and have 75 RBIs and not kill you in batting average. So I like him, and you can probably get him real cheap still, even with a hot start. Yeah, and Fabian, you probably can. He's probably available on an awful lot of league waiver wires. If you're, maybe your first baseman is hurt or is underperforming or what have you, is Morales a viable option, one? And two, do you think that this is for real and he's going to be another 25 home run guy this year? Yes, I do. You know, I think um, you look at his 2012 and 13 numbers, you know, I, I think he gets back to those levels, you know, like what Doug was saying, you know, sort of low 20s homers, you know, high 70, maybe even low 80 RBI levels. Um, you know, last year his batting average balls in play was 244 against a career average right around 300. So I think you kind of need to throw out last year. Um, you know, his previous two years were 315, 310 type range. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I expect, you know, a recovery to a sort of 2012-2013 numbers and, and just ignored last year. Yeah, so definitely a, a guy that you could look for on the waiver wire because Morales, everybody forgets, they see 218 last year. He's a 272 career hitter, and between 2012-2013, he hit 45 home runs combined in those two years. So there is a history here that he can he can definitely give you some some fantasy power and. If he's on a roll right now and hitting in a good lineup, uh, yeah, why not? Give it, give it a shot. 
Fabian, going to stay with you. Mark Canna from the Oakland A's, first of all, did one of my favorite interviews ever in the locker room right after a real big breakout game that he had. This is a guy that everybody figured was just going to be a platoon against lefties, but he's been pretty much tearing it up here lately. Is this a waiver wire target or is this just a, a nice story? You know, I would lean to sort of being a nice story. Um, you know, if he can do this for, say, another month or so, you know, maybe I answer that differently. But as of now, he doesn't really have sort of that history. You know, obviously, you know, seeing him in major, against Major League Pitching for the first time. But, you know, his minor league numbers aren't huge. You know, they don't really jump off the page at you. You know, he in the minors, he seemed like he was sort of a 15-home run, sort of 70 RBI guy with, you know, a decent average, say, you know, 275, 280 average or so. So, um, you know, rookies typically aren't going to improve on those numbers as, as they feast face tougher pitching so you know as of right now i would i would you know i wouldn't be a believer in the start until you know there's, there's further sort of data that supports it but um yeah i'd pass for now yeah doug first of all did you see the interview that i'm talking about and second of all the first thing i thought of when i saw what he was doing was was chris Colabella, and <laughs> i don't know if it's going to be the, the this year's version of that but uh go ahead talk a little bit about uh, about the young man from oakland well, you just ruined it for me. I was all set to go. I got two words for you, Chris Colabello. So you, you stole my there. But oh, it. I, I think we'll probably just looking at at the numbers. You know, I think I know he's a rookie, but he looks like one of the professional hitters types, where he's going to do a good job with the bat. I think he can hit two seventy. There's a little bit of pop there. I don't think we're looking at anything that's going to develop into a player that you you have to have. There's nothing in his past. You know, last year I think he hit 20 home runs, but that was in the PCL, so you have to kind of take five to ten home runs off that. So, you know, he's a good hitter. It's a nice little story, and he might stick around as a part-time player, but it's it's not not someone that oh, I better run to the rave wire and get him and and blow my free agent money on him. Now, did you see the interview? No, I did not. He, uh, Fabian, did you see the interview? I did not, no. He, he was interviewed in the locker room after he had a big breakout game, and he just about verbatim quoted the Crash Davis interview from Bull Durham with the <laughs> take it one, one game at a time. And it just, the, the line was absolutely perfect, and he got this smile on his face after he did it. It was just, it was, it was beautiful. Just great. It really showed a great sense of humor because it was a, it was kind of a funny moment, uh, you know, the the whole thing, you know, just here to help the team and all that kind of thing. It was it was verbatim, so just uh, some great stuff. Folks, you're listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder Doug Anderson, the Roto Daddy himself, and so-called fantasy experts writer Fabian Taylor. We are talking hot starts, cold starts tonight, some players that are – either uh, tearing it up or kind of lagging behind in the season's first week and, and how those early performances should affect your thinking for your fantasy baseball team. Doug, going to start with you on a guy that I like an awful lot. Off to a really nice start. Had uh, showed some potential with the White Sox last year. Has come over to Oakland as actually their starting, starting shortstop now. I'm talking about Marcus Samin. Um what, what do you think of him? Is uh, I, I see good power, good speed potential here. He's got six RBIs in the early going. Uh, do you see a star here or just a hot start? I don't see a star. I see a useful player. I think kind of a Brian Dozier light is what I would uh, uh, put him to be. I don't think he's going to hit for a great average. He might not kill you, but 255, 260 maybe. 
but you're going to see 15-15 probably. And I think you know, as long as he can deal with that ballpark in Oakland, he's going to be a very useful player. Uh, you know, If he can do what Brian Dozier does, I think that's the, the very, very ceiling to me. And the other thing I see when I, I look at uh, uh, Simeon is, well, I have a hard time pronouncing his last name, Sim, Simeon, is uh, I see somebody that is a second base eligible, third base eligible, and he's about to become shortstop eligible. So very valuable player from that aspect is that he can plug into an awful lot of places in your lineup. But Fabian, talk a little bit uh, about this young man. Is is he going to give me the kind of power and speed that I'm thinking, or is he more along the Brian Dozier line like uh, like Doug's talking? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, if you can get Brian Dozier's statistics and, and you know, plugging him into a middle infield spot, you know, that, that's, that's worth a lot. And then, like you said, the position flexibility, you know, that's worth a lot too. Um, so, yeah, you know, he, he's a great guy to have. He's, you know, so if you, if you, if you dress four, 14 hitters, you know, having him as your 15th hitter, if, if you're in the luxury of that spot, you know, he's great for that role. Um, yeah, and, if you, and if you start him, that's fine too, you know. The, the one interesting thing with him is, you know, early on in his minor league career, and, you know, for the most part in his entire minor league career, you know, he had a great batting eye. You know, his walk-to-strikeout ratio was basically one. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't shown that in the majors yet, you know, and, you know, he, he doesn't have a ton of at-bats to, to, to sort of come to a conclusion on that yet. But, you know, to the extent he can get that minor league batting eye and transfer it to the majors, you know, there's that upside. And, you know, that's going to help his average. That's going to help his on-base. That's going to help, you know, his counting stats. So, um yeah, you know he, he's he's very interesting, and and uh, yeah, like you said, as soon as he gains that shortstop eligibility, you know that just increases his value more. Yeah, yeah, I I like him a lot. Can't say his name too well, but I do like him a lot. <laughs> uh, Fabian, talk to me real quick about this young man, Archie Bradley. Wow, uh, all he did was in his first major league start, which happened to be against that Kershaw guy from Los Angeles. <laughs> All he did is go out and throw six innings of one-hit ball and looked positively dominant. Do we have the next fantasy ace in our midst, or are there some concerns? Um, the concern is control. You know, he 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 walked a ton of guys in the minors. You know, even in that great start, you know, he had six strikeouts, four walks. So, um, control. You know, keeping you know finding the zone. That that that's going to determine, I think, if he can take that next level. You know, you're not going to have you know, the starts he has on a consistent basis if he's walking, you know, four guys every six innings. So, um, yeah, if he, can, if he can get the control, to, you know, to a spot where it needs to be and, and get that strikeout to, to walk ratio, you know, closer to three and four and away from under two, you know, yes, he can be. But, you know, he hasn't shown in the minors, and, and, and you know, and, he, and we need to see if he can show it in the majors. So it, it's, it's, it's too hard to determine that. But as of right now, you know, control is a, is a big worry with him. What do you think, Doug? Is that pretty much spot on? Yeah, there's not too much to argue with there. I mean, last year I think the only thing you can say is that he had some arm issues that may have affected that control some, but I think what you're going to see is he's got the stuff to get away with a little bit of wildness as long as he keeps it low level, you know, three walks per nine, a little over that, we're okay. But when it starts getting towards that above four number, then we need to worry because he doesn't have a ballpark that lets you get away with a whole lot. Talk real quick about the young man that started for the Cincinnati Reds today, Rissell Iglesias. Five innings pitched, three earned runs, five hits, two walks, two strikeouts in his debut. Uh, got a no decision, I believe. Sat and watched a great deal of it here. Looked pretty sharp, thrown from a bunch of different arm angles. One of those guys that's he's got four pitches, but it actually works out to about 12. 
because he throws everything at different speeds and just is the kind that can can really confuse a hitter and kind of confound you as you're up there trying to figure out, is this one going to be a 90-mile-an-hour slider or is it going to be an 84-mile-an-hour slider? Doug, did you see Iglesias pitch today, and, and what's your outlook for him? I saw some of the highlights. I think what we have to think about here is the difference between real baseball and fantasy and what scoring categories he used, because I think he's a pitcher that's going to be able to help the Reds. But if I'm a fantasy owner and he's pitching in that ballpark in Cincinnati, which is a pretty good hitter's park, I don't know that he offers the strikeouts upside to deal with the risk that he carries. So he's someone that I think you might be able to stream through if if your league allows that, if you don't have innings maximums, you know, where you don't have to worry about putting subpar innings in. But I'm not that high on him just because the the upside's not there, and I don't know if he, the safety is either. So I, I'd like at least one of those to be present in the pitchers that I get. Fabian, did you see him pitch today, and did you like what you saw? You know what, I didn't see him pitch, but, um, you know, I would echo Doug's comments. You know, it's a tough park. You need to see more, and, you know, pitching's deep, and he's sort of in that sort of range of, you know, yeah, where you're talking streamers, you know, where you're maybe not sort of guys you need to roster on, on, in all leagues. But, um, yeah, you know, he he's maybe in that stream of, of, of pitchers, but, you know, if you can find sort of the, the right pitcher in the right park against the right opponent, you know, that that's sort of the sweet spot. So, you know, maybe if he's on the road against sort of a, a weaker hitting team, maybe he's an option. But, yeah, I would say given what we know about him, what we've seen about him so far, yeah, I, I think you need to see more. All right. Well, that will wrap up our uh, look at the fast starters and the slow starters from the first week of the season. Now, as things go along, I'm sure a lot of these numbers are going to correct themselves. So this is just kind of a first blush reaction, and especially if it's a veteran player, probably not a lot to worry about here. Someone like an Iglesias, for instance, who we have basically no sample size on, maybe it's a little more relevant. And if the lead catches up to his his deception, then it's going to be, you know, kind of tough going for him. Definitely something to watch, but a pretty impressive debut today. So it gives us, gives us a, another reason to watch this game that we love so very much. Guys want to do one last thing before we uh, stop with the hot starts, cold starts. I want to give you, and Doug, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to give you two teams that we're not supposed to be doing what they're doing. And just give me your impression as to whether this is real or whether this is an illusion. The Atlanta Braves and the New York Yankees, uh, they were not supposed to be. The Braves are, are going crazy good. The Yankees, not so much, although they're up on the Red Sox 7 to nothing right now. What do you make of these two hot starts? I think they're better than people gave them credit for. The Braves pitching, I tell you what, I, I had a chance to see um, Shelby Miller start last week, and I think he, he only went five or six innings, but his arm, his stuff is back. I mean, it's nasty. And the Braves have some good pitching. So if that offense can be efficient and score some runs, I don't think they're going to be as terrible as we thought. I, You know, it definitely the lineup is thin and it's going to need everything, kind of like the Rays where they need to squeeze every drop out. But I don't think they're going to be as bad as people think. With that said, uh, they're no threat to make the playoffs, I don't think. The Yankees, it's all about, you know, can Tanaka stay – close to what he was last year. Can he stay on the field? I like Michael Pineda, so do they get another couple pitchers to really step up? So I, I think in both cases, it's early. We've seen good things, but 
that's a little bit different when you talk start talking two, three months down the line. What do you think, Fabian? The Yankees have, I think it's the second highest payroll in Major League Baseball, so they're definitely underachieving. And what do you think? Break up the Braves? Yeah, you know, so with with the Yankees, you know, there's a lot of question marks. You know, age is, you know, a concern. You know, you talk about Tanaka. So, um, you know, it's a tough division, right? You know, the Jays seem to be better. You know, the Red Sox, you know, obviously retooled. Um, you know, the Orioles did well last year, obviously. You know, they, they did lose a piece in Cruz. But, you know, it's a tough division. So, you know, it, it, it's tough to pick them, you know, much higher than fourth in that division. So, yeah, you know, I, I, it seems to me that they're going to continue to struggle. Um, and, and with the Braves, yes, yeah, same thing as what Doug said. You know, great, you're solid pitching, um, you know, very decent rotation. You know, the bullpen seems to be even decent, you know, even with, with, with Kimbrell being shipped out. So, um, yeah, the question is the offense. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it, yeah, maybe – Maybe they're a 500-type team, but, you know, yeah, they probably don't make the playoffs. You know, offense is going to probably be an issue, you know, the entire year. Folks, you're listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with the Roto Daddy himself, Mr. Doug Anderson, and Fabian Taylor, a writer at So-Called Fantasy Experts. We have just concluded discussing some players that have either exceeded or failed to meet their preseason expectations. Uh going to do the last segment here gentlemen and we're going to talk a little bit of injury news what i'm going to do is go through the story and then kind of send it to each of you to give a real quick take on on maybe what that should mean for your fantasy team first and foremost indians catcher jan gomes dug out six to eight weeks with a sprained mcl obviously a huge blow for a lot of fantasy rosters what do we do well i think you know, there, there's not exactly a lot of free agent catching out there if you're in a two-catcher no. league, even if it's mixed. Robert Perez, they're pretty high on his bat. He can hit, you know, he's a 300 hitter in the minor league, so that tells me that he can handle the bat a little bit. He's the fill-in, so I think if you just slide him in, that's probably the best you're going to be able to do as far as catchers go, unless you, you know, you take a chance on a Giovanni Soto hitting a few homers for you as a backup in Chicago. I, yeah, you just slot Perez in there, and hopefully, you know, he comes back, Gomes comes back a little sooner than planned. Fabian, anything to add on that? Yeah, you know, you know, like Doug was saying, you know, the waiver wire is going to be pretty thin. Um, so at this point, you probably just chase at bats. And, you know, it seems like, you know, with, with Gomes out, you know, there, there's going to be a bats to be had there. So, you know, to the extent one guy can run with it, I think I think you just go with that spot. There there might be one guy out there that Stephen Vogt last year didn't have enough uh, yep. games played at catcher to qualify. So he's going to qualify here real quick if he's not already. So that might be one guy that might be out there in mixed leagues. If you keep an eye out, you might be able to grab him and, and get a pretty decent offensive catcher. Yeah. Now, a guy that fell pretty far in some leagues that I was involved in, I was kind of surprised how far he was fallen because it didn't look like he was going to be out all that long. There was actually talk that he might be ready for opening day. That's Jason Wirth. He is on a rehab assignment right now. He had a home run yesterday, so the shoulder is at least okay. Granted, it was minor league pitching, but we know he can. He still does generate some power. Fabian, Jason Wirth. Let's just say you're in a weekly lineup. Do you plug him in for this week or do you wait? Um, you know, it, it, it's tough. You know, putting a guy in, you know, right off, right, right, right off the, the hop. You know, I think, you know, in a 
in a full season league, yeah, for sure. You know, he's a, definitely a great guy to have. You know, he's got the, the power. You know, he gives you some speed, decent average. But, you know, I tend to shy away from maybe a little bit more on the cautious side. But just when you come back with those injuries and, and you know, like Doug was saying earlier, I think, you know, those at-bats mean a lot in spring, just kind of kind of getting in sync. So, um, you know, I would bet that the first week's probably not going to be his best of the year. What do you think, Doug? You buy that? Yeah, I, you know, if, if I'm in a mixed league where I have – Usually, you would have some kind of usable player uh, filling in for Worth. Then I don't activate him until he plays because it's just not worth it. Oh, oh well, he he had a little bit of a setback. Then you lose a week. So to me, you don't put him in your lineup until he's played and he's shown that he is definitely back. You touched on him a little bit earlier, Drew Smiley, fellow from the Rays who looked really, really good in a short stint last year. He looked good in his first rehab start, but now we have heard that he's going to have three more. So we have a little bit of time yet to wait, huh? Yeah, and, you know, when Alex Cobb first, the injury news or the tendonitis news broke, you know, a few days later, all the news is good. But I told people, do not be surprised to see him back in May. You know, all the news has been good so far, but the Rays are going to be so ultra-conservative, and you can't argue with what they've done. For them, it's worked. So they're going to take it slow. You know, Smiley, they want to get Smiley up to 100 pitches before they they bring him up, whereas another team might say, hey, you know, if you can get us through four innings, five innings, that's better than what we're getting. So, But be prepared to wait until those pitchers are, you know, 99.9%. What do you think, Fabian? Yeah, no, I agree. You know, you know, arm issues. You know, they they're 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 worrisome with pitchers. You know, you know, you can deal with knees and and those types of issues. You know, much better. Um, you know, pre-injury, obviously, you know, there was a lot of hype around him and probably justified. You know, he had a great strikeout to walk ratio. You know, good pitchers park. So, um, yeah, he, you know, he's a guy to target. I think at some point, but yeah, you, you need to be patient. Maybe more of a dynasty target as of right now. But in terms of redraft leagues, yeah, you know, he's probably not going to help you for a month or so. Well, we talked to Fabian a little bit earlier about some bullpen situations, and one of them was the New York Mets. They are expecting to get former closer Bobby Parnell back probably later this month. What's your thought on that? Is he going to jump right into the closer's role, or is he going to have to work his way up through the 7th, 8th until he gets to the ninth? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure if he gets the ball right away or the ninth right away, but you know, I'm pretty sure he leads the team in saves this year. Um, I thought I read something earlier, you know, that the manager was sort of hinting at, um, you know, he is sort of the, the closer. You know, obviously with the, the injury and suspension um, to Mejia, you know, that you know opens the door even more so. So, you know, the guy that he has to take over from Familia is, um, you know, he wasn't the, the picked guy to start the year anyway. So, um, you know, I think he has the opportunity. He's got the history. Um, yeah, I think he's closing, you know, sooner than later, but maybe not sort of his first appearance. And, Doug, we talked about it a little bit earlier. What, what do you think on Parnell? Just say he's out there on the waiver wire right now. Is he somebody you grab? Well, I think you have to just because, you know, saves count for so much and one player can, you know, have such an impact. I'm not a big Parnell fan. I don't think he's going to be a great closer, but – it does. You don't have to be a great closer to have value. So you have to pay attention. I'm not. I don't have a feel for how New York feels about it. So uh, he's someone I'm keeping an eye on him, but I'm not going to blow all my free agent money on him. You know, and not look elsewhere either. Now this is a guy that was probably drafted in most leagues. I'm talking about Garrett Richards. 
He is apparently scheduled to pitch a minor league game early next week, I think Tuesday. Doug, what's your take on Garrett Richards? Anything that's worried you, or you think he's going to come back and and look like the guy we we saw back before the injury? You know, so far, even a couple weeks before opening day, he had pitched in some minor league games and had looked very good, so I'm not worried at all. I'm glad they're making sure that he's healthy. You're not talking about arm issues, but when you've got lower body issues, those can affect a pitcher, so they're making sure he's good. I've got him in the labor mixed league, and I'm ready for him to come back, and I expect him to be that solid number two type fantasy pitcher. Fabian, talk about Garrett Richards. Yeah, you know, I think um, you know the the time to buy low with buy low on him, you know, was sort of in, in in your draft. You know, he was probably maybe the only sort of top twenty sort of capable pitcher based on you know previous year stats, looking at his breakout that you could get sort of at a much cheaper price than that. And yeah, you know, it's not arm issue, so it, it you know it's it, it's it's a it's the lesser evil. You know, it, it's not good, but it's you know it's not that bad either. So um, yeah, you know, I think. His numbers last year were solid, and, and it's, it's, I would expect sort of the continued breakout this year. Now, Fabian, talk a little bit about Michael Saunders, an outfielder for Toronto. He is uh, apparently due back next week. Now, Saunders returning is going to impact a couple of other players, Kevin Tiller being one, potentially Dalton Pompey being another, who was picked by a lot of people to be a major breakout this year and is kind of off to a slow start. How do you see the outfield situation shaking out in Toronto? Well, I, I think um, sort of, you know, pre the, the sprinkler injury with Saunders, um, you know, he was penciled in as, you know, they're starting everyday left fielder. And, um, you know, I, I think that's going to continue to be the case. So, I mean, I think that probably means, you know, Pilar sort of sits and Pompey sort of gets his chance um, to, to continue doing what it's doing. And, you know, I think with Saunders, you know, he's a he's a legit 2020 threat. You know, his um, he doesn't really have, you know, great sort of righty lefty split, so that that's going to help him sort of on an everyday basis, and you know, maybe avoid the platoon situation. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think I think you can expect him to play, you know, most days, and 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 sort of give you that power speed combo that you can sort of kind of kind of probably would have got late, later in the draft if at all. Doug, do you like Saunders as a waiver wire grab? And should I be worried about Dalton Pompey losing playing time? Well, I like Saunders, but I think the issue is that some of his value is going to come through stolen bases and the knee injury. You have to think it's going to affect that. So I'm not as high high on him as I was. Right. As far as far as Pompey. I think he's gonna he's gonna have the job, but he just the just got a lot shorter. I think Pilar is a very good. They're both very good defensive players. So if if Pompey shows that he's not hitting and Pilar hits, they might go that direction. But I think we've got a good month of Pompey that they're gonna look at. All right, Doug uh, Michael Brantley. This is one of the top stars in fantasy baseball. Has been out for a couple games with a back issue. What have you heard? Is there anything to be worried about here? Is he looking at a DL stint, or is it just a little bit of rest is going to take care of it? Well, for, so far I haven't heard anything about a DL stint, but uh, back injuries or back stiffness, uh, what worries me is that's often not a short-term thing. It's where a player deals with it all the time, and Brantley, some of his values in the speed too. So, and 
if he's having that on a consistent basis, you have to wonder if he's ever going to be free and easy like he was last year. So it does concern me, and I'd really like to see a good week of him breaking back out. So I'm worried about him. I've got him in labor mixed league, and I want to see him in that lineup every day. Fabian, you worried? Yeah, you know, I, I think it is a legitimate worry. So I think coming into the year, you know, most people sort of said with Brantley, you know, he might not be the 2020 guy that he was last year, you know, and of the two categories, the stolen bases were probably the safer bet, um, and, and, and the power probably, you know, would be sort of the issue. And then now you add this injury, so I agree that, you know, that probably affects both of those categories again. So, um, yeah, you know, most people probably spend a high pick on him, and, and yeah, I think there's legitimate sort of lingering concern issues there. Well, there were some concerns about Chris Sale at the beginning of the year. Kind of depressed his draft day value a little bit. I saw him fall really kind of too far in some leagues. Was activated today and pretty much looked like Chris Sale. Six innings, five hits, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts. What do you think, Fabian? Just proceed on as we normally would, or is there any lingering concern about Sale status? Yeah, you know, I think... um... Yeah, expecting to be the stud that he was drafted as, and you know the drafted discount was probably going to be something that you look back on and we're ha- we're happy to get him at. So yeah, you know I, I think he is what he is. You know he's a top pitcher, and um, you know once again it's not an arm issue. So you know that you know to some extent sort of decreases the you know the the lingering effects of it. So yeah, I, I think I think all systems go. Doug, what do you think? All systems go. Well, I think, you know, we heard about the injury in, what, early March or late February or something, and time sounds different at that point. You say he's not coming back to early April or, you know, mid-April. April 11th sounds like a long time. I was surprised when I saw that he was starting today. I'm like, is it that time already? So, yeah, you know, the injury was like, oh, he's going to miss the early part of the season. He missed the start, you know. So he's Chris Sale. He's going to do what he did last year. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Right. Gentlemen, we covered a lot of ground tonight. We we hit on an awful lot of topics, and we talked about an awful lot of players. Is there anybody that comes to mind, Fabian, is there anybody that comes to mind that we might have missed that you want to say a quick word about before we close tonight? Um, you know, not, 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 not really. You know, I think uh, the, the one thing I would say is, you know, Garrett Richards is sort of the one guy that sort of I um, – you know, felt with a draft day discount that kind of had a chance to be sort of a, an impact player on your team, and we kind of touched on him. So, yeah, you know, I think, um, yeah, the ground that we covered sort of covers it all. Doug, anybody you want to talk about? Alex Rodriguez, maybe? He just had a double. You want to talk about him at all, or anybody else you need to cover today? <laughs> well, I'm going to say that Clay Buckles, his fast start last week is over with. <laughs> he gave uh-huh. up seven runs before there were two outs in the first inning. So, uh, good news was only six of those were earned. But, uh, no, Drew Pomerantz, uh, another pitcher I like. And yeah. uh, he he had the luck to pitch against Taiwan Walker the other day. Pomerantz looked great. So, uh, you know, he's a pitcher I think we're going to see a breakout this year. You're going to see 15 wins and 160 strikeouts. The wins will depend on the A's bats doing what they're doing right now. Awesome. Fabian, thank you. First of all, thank you very, very much. Tell folks, how can they keep up with you? Obviously, your your column at So-Called Fantasy Experts, but how do they get in contact with you, either Twitter, Facebook, or what have you? Yeah, you know, probably the best the best way is Twitter. Uh, my handle is at CanucksRule247. Um, yeah, and, you know, just wanted to thank both you and Doug for having me on, and it was, it was great. 
All right. Well, folks, that will just about do it for this week's episode of the Sunday Night Sandlot. Our very special thanks to our special guest, Fabian Taylor of SoCalledFantasyExperts.com, for joining us tonight. It was indeed a pleasure to have him in the Cyber Studio. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'd love to see you again next week. Until then, for Fabian Taylor and Doug Anderson, this is your host, Buck Davidson, saying somebody start the team bus and cue the post-game show. This one's in the history books. We'll see you next week, everybody.